Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled, Singing Hymns to Him, Kaya McCuller explores the development of worship skills through hymn studies. After the Bible, the hymnal is our greatest source of theological knowledge and understanding. Learn to use the hymnal as a resource in producing true and authentic worshipers. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu. Alleluia. burst of energy. I know at the time when I first, um, when they realized that they were not going to have the second children's choir clinician, Dr. Bradley called me, you know, he told me about the day, and I told Mr. McCullough about the day, he said, maybe I need to come with you, he said, you're going to be too tired to drive home, I'll be okay, but anyway, I wanted him to come play anyway, so that was a good thing that he came. We're going to do a couple of hymns that are out of the new Celebrating Grace hymnal. Mr. McCullough has the copy of it over there. If you've been in some of the sessions with <coughs> David Bowen, I imagine is probably who's talking about that some. But, um, of course, the new Baptist hymnal, probably many of you have in your churches that you have access to, which is the newest one there. But the new Celebrating Grace has some gorgeous things in it and some things I haven't been able to find anywhere else, and yet I love them so um, I thought in a minute we would start out uh, with a hymn setting by Dr. Harlan. If you all know, he's been a bishop of Harlan and composer, um, was for many years uh, dean of School of Church Music at Southwestern Seminary, and uh, is now at New Orleans. And your dad taught him a Baylor. Okay. Um, daughter. I told you that, yeah. <laughs> Ray was on Daddy's secret committee. Okay. So, your dad also taught me. <laughs> God is a small world. When, I, when you said that, when you said my dad taught Benji, I thought, you know, you've got to be a Ray's dad. Okay. Small world. Anyway, in a minute, I just wanted us to sing through a couple of the things that are in the new hymnal. I thought, you know, I'm going to get my little bit into it. These I need to pick up because I really, I'm kind of kind of a stretch for me to have copied them, but it was okay for Dr. Holland to do it, but I, I promise you <coughs> are to those things. So if I can find one here, one more will do it. And it's just beautiful. I fell in love with it when I was creating some of your lists for hymn studies and that sort of thing. So I might um, like to sing that at the very end also. And those of you that have been in here, we've been doing greeting songs and a closing song if we don't run out of time and need to do something else. So, um, I'll teach you one more greeting song in a minute, and then we'll review some of your things that um, that we've been that we've been singing. Um, if you've been with Charlotte next door, you may have picked up the demand print resources, which is I didn't know that she had this until she and I started to go to lunch together, and I was just looking at what she had, and I said, "Can I take a copy of everything?" And I picked this up and. We had been talking this morning about the using the Kodayan Orphan in the church and how's the best way for you all to get that book since it's print on demand. And here it is. So I picked this up. Um, and you can see they have one. issues with the person uh, ordering. Uh, whoever she was talking to, they had no idea what print on demand 
Oh, print on the was. Demand. So you oh. just have, yeah, at Lifeway. So you have to. Demand print resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Demand print. We just were turning it's our it's words around. Yeah, it was. And I'm just always saying. In the morning sessions, particularly in the third session when we're doing uh, Kodayan or um, the book that's about second to the Brahmanis and Kodayan, the Orphan Research by Betty Woodward and Julia Burroughs. It's just such a rich resource, but no longer in print. And so I was telling them about ways to get it, but Charlotte has it right here on this desk. I will give you guys. Um, this is one of those timeless resources that, you know, that will always work. That you all have that. And um, there are lots of ancillary materials up, uh, up here for you all to come pick up at the end of the session if you would like those. Patty Nelson, my good friend at First Baptist Church Teller, put a packet together for you all and her email address is here at the bottom. And um, so pick one of those up. There is a nice big thick packet that one of my graduate students at Southwestern Seminary did on children's anthems with instruments. Uh, so if you just like to have that in photography just for your reference materials, that would be wonderful. I put together a packet out of my syllabus from seminary that I used for church music ed on the work of the children's choir coordinator. You may not be the children's choir coordinator, but you might take it for someone who is, or you are the children's choir coordinator. You're, you're everything. <laughs> you're, you're the whole ball of eggs at your church. So just some things in there, hon, that just may be of help to you as you're planning and that sort of thing. And the last is resources that I have used over the years that I have just found helpful in church work and also in teaching. And the last few pages of that are your dream list for everything that you want in your resource center at church for your children's choir director. And my graduate students actually helped me put that together. We just kind of made up a dream list and said if we could have everything we wanted in the resource room, this is what we would have. So the list is about five pages long. But it sort of talks about how to set one up and where that needs to be located for access for your directors and that sort of thing. Um, I mentioned Patty Nelson a lot, but one more thing that I love, and you all probably do this already, but she said that she just realized over the years that if she would send notes home to parents, they never got there. The notes never got home, and we would send the memos. Probably now you all email, and that's much more efficient. But she said she got on the habit of just typing the memos on one of the sticky things and just sticking it to their T-shirt when they walked by. <laughs> she said this was the most efficient and effective way she ever got messages home to her children. She still uses it. It still works. There's nothing on here that's going to hurt clothes. So I just thought I might mention this to you because I had not thought about doing this until she said, Dr. McCullough, you know, you don't have to worry about whether or not notes get home, but you'll put it on the T-shirt. It will get home and get read. Now, it might get washed. <laughs> you know, that was, she said, remember, you know, she said, make sure you, that you tell the kids that they need to take it off or have the parents pull it off. But I love that idea because any of us who've been school teachers and been at school know that notes don't always get home. It was just a good way for her to tie that on there. So you all Mr. McCullough and I just kind of put um, an ancillary handout alongside your handout for the session on hymns. I didn't know where else in the sequence of sessions today to put this, and these are just things that have been invaluable for me. Um, the top sheet are called Objectives for Children's Choirs, and um, whenever I'm working, even with my undergraduate <coughs> music ed majors at Dallas Baptist University, so many of them are already by location. They already have a church and they're in school. And um, we talk a great deal in the music ed classes 
about being bivocational. So I try to walk both of those things alongside each other all the way through both method courses, both elementary and secondary, because the students are already having a church job and yet wanting to teach public school and certifying to do that. And I've just looked at general spiritual outcomes for children's choirs at church and then general musical outcomes uh, second, because the spiritual outcomes are paramount. Those are our main concerns when we're in the church setting, but we come to those many times through the music, and so those are listed for you at the bottom. So you want to use some things like this if you're the children's choir coordinator and just at the beginning of the semester or the year when you're planning maybe the next sort of thing, that might, might be helpful for you. The next several sheets behind that are a biblical basis for ministering to children through the music. I went ahead and maybe trying to do some of your legwork for you. I went through the Old Testament and the New Testament and tried to pull as many scriptures out as I could for my students at seminary. I still use this. Things that relate to children in music. Also scriptures that just mention music. And hopefully some of these scriptures, not so long that children can't do some memory work with this. Just like you have hymn memorization, probably as part of your hymn study, the scriptures can walk alongside <coughs> of what you're doing with the hymnal. So I thought maybe three or four pages of the scriptures that are already here, you don't have to go and worry about that or, or pull them out of any of your other teaching materials. They're just all here in about three or four pages of Old Testament and New Testament. That's just reference for you, but Mr. McClellan, I didn't know where else to put it during the day, so I thought, you know, we'll just put it here at least for and if you've been in any other sessions, we've, um, we've talked a lot about hymns. <laughs> Today we've talked a lot about the hymnal as a resource for us. What's happening in our churches, do we still need to involve our children in being familiar with the hymnal and the rich history there, the rich <coughs> doctrine that's there, the rich concepts that are there? I'm a big believer in the hymnal. I'll just tell you that, and I tell you that with no apologies whatsoever. Um, because it's so rich for what our children need spiritually, doctrinally. Um, I've always believed that next to the Bible, that's one of our richest sources for teaching in the church. And we don't always use them in the worship service anymore, but they are in your church somewhere already. And it's wonderful to bring those in. You've got so many different resources now for hymn study <coughs> and that sort of thing, things that you want to do with your children at different ages, and we'll talk about those more in just a minute. Um, let's greet one another, and then we'll review some of the other greeting songs that we've done today, because some of you have been here and some of you haven't, so, oh, C major will work this late in the day. I better not pitch it any higher. <laughs> I'll try to do my best for you. This little greeting song goes back and forth between so me so and so so so. It goes back and forth between that intervallic, those two intervallic relationships, so. I will do my best to try to stay on pitch for you all. And um, we'll do this little echo. It starts with, hello there. And then you echo me. Hello, hello there. there. The next is, <coughs> so far so. How are you? How, How are, are you? And we're going to go back to, so far so. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. And then, so me so. To see you. To we'll see you. you. We'll sing and we'll, we'll sing. So far, so be happy. Be happy. Last phrase that we're all here together again. And we finally get most of the scale in at the very end. 
Up to that, we're just going back and forth between so me, so, and so, so. So let's do it again. Hello there. Hello there. How are you? How are you? It's so good. It's so good. To see you. To see you. We'll sing and. We'll sing and. Be happy. Be happy. That we're all here together again. That we're all here together again. Great for just reinforcing. So me so. With your hand signs. So far so. That's the tough one for all of us because our hand has to change position so quickly and all of that. Um, we started out with one this morning at 8 o'clock. And let me just sing it for you. And you can be my echo. Just um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it. We have other things to talk about. Most of these... Um, come from a good friend of mine, Dr. Diane Postelin, who's the program director for music education at Trinity University in San Antonio. And because she's written them, uh, they have a Head Start program right next to Trinity, and she and her college students and graduate students do all the music at the Head Start school. <coughs> and so she's all the time coming up with new and creative little greeting songs, closing songs, and that sort of thing. And that's where I've gotten some of these. But I promised her I wouldn't copy it because I, I didn't want to do that, and out of respect for her. I've copied most everything else I knew I could copy for you all, so you have my permission. The one we started with today is called Let's Get Acquainted. It's not really Diane. It's Dan Bixittlebrook. That's O, also, and also print on demand, or demand print, whatever we need to call it, or tickle tune songs for little people. But some of the people in the earlier sessions today recognized it. Lots of good stuff in here. Still available from Chorister Steel, but you'll have to tell them demand print resources, okay, I think, because I've always said print on demand, that's just what I've always called it, and, but apparently I need to be saying if, I, if it's course Or maybe the guy just had no idea what that was. Okay, maybe he just didn't have any, any idea what it was. So many things that are wonderful resources are now out of print, we can't get our hands on them anymore, but if you'll figure out who the publisher is and where to order them, you'll be able to see a few those, and uh, those are good things. So this, the first song, Let's Get Acquainted, came out of that little book. Let's get acquainted, you and I. Let's get acquainted by and by. Let's get acquainted and be good friends. We'll sing together till music time ends. I know it's four phrases, and we're not going to take time to do all of it, but can you try it with me? I'll slow it down a little bit, and I'll give you the words. Let's get acquainted. Let's get acquainted, you and I. Let's get acquainted by and by. Let's get acquainted and be good friends. We'll sing together till music time ends. That's the first one we started with this morning. Another one of Diane's is called It's So Good to See You. It's so good to see you. I really couldn't wait. Can you clap your hands and count to eight? And you would. <laughs> Four, five, six, seven, eight. That has multiple creative possibilities. Use different numbers, use different movements. My college kids love to do the counting in other languages. That's terrific. Your little ones can do that. They certainly probably know Spanish. And some kids like to get into the German and the French and some of the other things in all this language. So that one's fun. It's so good to see you. I really couldn't wait. Can you clap your hands and count to eight? Very short, very easy. And then we did one in the last section called a hello song. And 
I would need lots of names, and I'm a little weary, so I'm just gonna, let me see, let me see, let me see, what's in here, I do good manuscript, and I know I'm on my usual name, and it's just a way to read each other. Um, you give me, uh, maybe F major. We're glad you're here, so give a cheer. We're glad you're here. And then we did a real short one at the beginning of the Kodai and Orth session this morning, which is just so amusing. Back and forth, music maker, how are you? And you say, I am fine, thank you. And I will sing, who's your neighbor next to you? And eventually, the purpose of that is to go around and introduce each other. Sometimes, but you want to get the kids to do the alone singing and introduce their neighbor eventually, and then they all will come in. Not something you want to do the first few weeks of choir. They're not ready to sing alone yet, but they will be eventually. You want to hear them, and I hope that helps. Courageous and helpful songs. I love reading songs just a way to start. You probably have a million in your vocabulary. Let's look at Dr. Harlan's hymn that is in the new Celebrating Grace hymnal, not the only thing that Dr. Harlan has in print by a long shot, Benjamin Harlan, but for me, one of the most beautiful melodies that I have ever heard, and I just love the words. When I was at Southwestern Seminary at the beginning of our children's concert at Christmas, every year, I don't know how many of you all are familiar with Cowden Hall and the School of Church Music at Southwestern, has a double staircase that comes down from the second floor to the regular floor area where all the parents were seated and faculty were seated. So the children and I processed down from those two stairwells to Dr. Harlan's hymn. He was then the Dean of Church Music at Southwestern, and so just to honor him, but honor the Lord at the same time. And <coughs> this was not, he did not have this with the accompaniment and all that at that point. This was just in a very simple book called Congregational Singing that we use sometimes at seminary. But he's fleshed that all out with the accompaniment, and it's in the new Celebrating Grace. Uh, you know, we'll just look at the first verse, but I just love this. The other verses are equally as good, but we'll sing it together. Just to kind of introduce you to some of the things in one of the new hymnals. I don't even know how long the intro is. Is it long? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah, would you play it all the way through first just so we can hear it with the accompaniment and then we'll try singing in the first one.
I just think it's a gorgeous melody, beautiful words. And I, when we talked this morning about a wedding of the text and the music, how well the music and the text fit together, I think it has the setting as well. So I thought you might like to have to see a copy. I will take that up from you. But if you have a copy of the new Celebrating Grace hymnal or you purchased one while you're here, that's in it with all these. I didn't realize it, but I think the, the refrain in here in the new hymnal is different than the words you sang. I, I don't. Oh my goodness. No, I didn't know the I just looking at it. Okay. So they, they did a refrain in parts in the hymnal. It's on page 140 okay. of the new hymnal. It's just, it just says, Alleluia, praise the baby. Praise the life he came to live. Alleluia, praise the Father. Praise the gift he chose to give. Which is the, which is the refrain on the, on the second and third okay. verses. Okay. Well, that's but what they have made that the refrain for all the verses. In and the they've hymnal. got all four verses, but then that's the refrain every time. In the hymnal, it's on well, page one forty. Thank you, honey, I for mean, telling us. It's yeah, like one forty. Yeah, it, it's uh, okay. so it's in the new hymnal. If you if you want a copy of it, I just I think it's, it works pretty well for Alicia's family. It really works well for Jim's family. Um, oh, okay. Well, I think we have tradition of hymn singing in worship, well established in church congregations. Uh, Probably congregational singing is one of the only times that a child can fully participate in singing alongside adults. Um, helping children gain an appreciation for singing hymns is vital because these instruments are hymns in worship. And uh, I went ahead and just prefaced what I had in the handout by saying after the Bible, the hymn is like a resource for theological research. Um, many basic Christian beliefs and Introduce children to different types of hymns, hymns of praise, those that have their roots in the Old Testament and Revelation. Hymns are some of our most powerful resources in communication and also in worship. Um, you all have memorized Ephesians 5.19. Most of you do, but watch this carefully. If there's a scripture that you might want to pull out, <coughs> Psalm 23, verse 3, and you might want to pass that out to the Lord. How many of you in your choral program try at time allowed to pull in some hymn song at church? And that's that's most of the hands going up. Um, wonderful. All different kinds of ways that we can do that. And you're going to have ideas that I haven't thought of. I just tried to put as many things down on paper as I could possibly think of. Um, in the main body of this is what should I emphasize in teaching new hymns, but I thought I might just mention some ways of introducing new hymns to children. We do that a great deal in worship, teaching congregation new hymns. The, the adult choir sometimes does that. Sometimes the children's choir teaches the new hymns, which is wonderful. Um, introducing new hymns in children's choir rehearsals, what are some of the ways that we can do that? And just some things I've used, and you'll think of some other things. Um, recordings of hymns, hymn tunes as students enter the room. To we had the children singing just so there again that immersion of sound. I think that's the Holy Professionally recorded. Professionally recorded hymns. hymns that you could possibly play for your children as they come. Can you tell us where you may have found some things? I, I haven't really done as well. <laughs> we for a while we did a program called Hymn Treasures. Which yes. is a Prism publication. Prism publication, yeah. Mm -hmm. They had a lovely uh, CD. CD. Uh, we've been and doing you could the play yeah, we've been doing the Lifeway recently, and and the curriculum is really nice, but they don't provide that as one of the tracks on one the of the tracks on the recording. So we 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 just they just children have just learned it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's piano accompaniment. It's not been part of the 
Cedarmont flip-top some. I don't know how professional you're, you're looking for. Uh, they so do it's some. And what was the one that Dr. Spann and Steve did at PBU? That was a, wasn't that a, was that a him study? Didn't they? Dr. Spann's new book. Dr. Spann's new book, which I didn't pull. That, well, Ed Spann, who was the dean of the College of Fine Arts at Dallas Baptist University for many, many years, that was actually the favorite hymns of American presidents. But that's that's very intriguing. That's something you could possibly pull into the hymn study. So the author is Dr. Ed Spann, and he actually wrote it in conjunction with another one of our faculty, Dr. Mike Williams. It wasn't Steve. It was our the Steve, the choir recorded. Our choir, the 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 DBU choir recorded all the hymns that they had researched that were favorites of the American presidents, and we did a huge program and and had that also. I'll That's find out. For I'll find. Yeah, yeah. But that book is tough, and it's an intriguing book. If you've never thought about the concept of what were the president's favorite hymns, it's an interesting thing to also pull in some things just from a historical perspective, which is fun. But Dr. Ed Spann wrote the book, Mike Williams wrote it with him, and then Dr. Steve Holcomb did all the hymns with our choir at school. All those were recorded as just sort of a partner, a companion to the textbook. You can get that CD also. I, I can't believe I didn't pull that book off the shelf. That's not the only book I didn't pull off the shelf and bring. But you all have my website. You have my, my DBU website on several things. It's up at the top of everything you've had today. Email me, and I will send you the title of that book and all the information for it, and also how to get a hold of the CD that the choir made, which is just beautiful things. And, uh, and Dr. Spann did. So the CD is with the book? Okay. Then that. Then. Okay. Then that's the CD, I guess, that Dr. Holcomb and our Corral did it at, at DBU as just a companion CD to go with that. They spent an entire summer, like two summers ago, doing that. And it's not so. It's very. If you want, of course, it's adult singing, but still, it's it's it's, it's good technique and. And some of those and Stephanie songs, they're not oh. all, but some of those are hymns. That's true. That's true. Many of these things are hymns. Well, these are some, this is some of the most beautiful children's singing that I have heard in a very long time. And the early childhood things are the young voices. They're four, fives, and sixes. They're very beautiful. Head voice singing, head song singing. And it goes on. You've got three levels for early childhood. You've got three levels for elementary. You've got first and second and third graders. It's just one level for the older kids. But the singing on all those is beautiful. And there's some hymns there. Some of these things are newly composed that are on there. But there's some hymns there, too. So recording things. Um, hymn texts as devotionals, using the text itself as devotionals at the beginning of choir. Um, hymn, hymn texts as prayers. If you have taught your children the hymn, My Singing is a Prayer, O oh Lord, if you know that hymn, hear um, again. Oh gosh, I have used, <laughs> I used Betty and Julia's book a lot today. Um, I love this, I love this hymn, My Singing is a Prayer. Gorgeous devotional thoughts here. Every verse can be a different devotional in here. You know, before you start singing, my singing is a prayer, O Lord, a prayer of thanks and praise. In music, Lord, I worship thee. Thy beauty fills my life. And so, this book that's no longer in print is 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 full. 
a, a wonderful thing for your kids. So I encourage you to get it. I've worn out one copy, and I went to the other copy there. Um, choral readings, uh, just the use of the hymnal itself for as many myriad ways as you can think to use it. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, other ways that you introduce new hymns to your students in the church, other ways besides what I've mentioned. I'm just pulling out some things that I'm doing. Sometimes it's nice to find an anthem that incorporates a hymn and is in the, within the body of the anthem. That's enjoy that terrific. And one of the ones we sang this morning in the anthem um, session, and Mr. McCullough played the last tag, and it was the tag to now thank the law of God. That hymn was not in the anthem, but the tag. So that would be a great lead into that hymn. And you can find those kinds of things sometimes in the introductions, in the interludes, and in the postludes under the anthem. Just that little mention of that hymn is another way. Other ways you've introduced hymns and that sort of thing to your all, all good ideas, and just be creative as you're introducing things to your students. What should I emphasize in teaching hymns? Text, of course, um, is always paramount for all of this, but biblical and doctrinal concepts, word definitions, because we all know that there are many terms in our, in our hymns that sometimes we have to even yeah. look up, and we have to come up with a pretty good explanation for today. Um, the diction issues that come with singing them well and articulating well, the poetic forms that are presented there, accents and repetition, and you could think of many more things about text. Um, that you, usually it is, is it doctrinally sound? You know, is what we want to present to kids the strongest doctrine that we know how to present to them? And that's one of the things we always look for when we think of text. Singing skills that are emphasized or reinforced in our hymns. Um, anything that can work it as a vocalist, take a portion of a hymn and just use it as a warm-up. Take a phrase, lift it out. Um, use the chorus, those kinds of things. Those work well. You can even put syllables to the melody. They don't have to be the text at first. Just put, just put vowels to them or something else and then introduce the text later. I have done that with phrases out of hymns before. Antiphonal singing, certainly back and forth, group to group. Any kind of echo singing that you do, small group to large group, um, soloist to large group, uh, those kinds of things, any kind of echo singing work, call and response activities, any of those kinds of singing skills. Uh, melodic or rhythmic ostinati, so come up with a speech pattern that goes along with the hymn itself. We did a little bit of that this morning with the orchestration that we did. I used that term, those are really called orchestrations. But they are. So the arrangements for ORF instruments are actually called orchestrations, not orchestrations, but orchestrations. I love that. And the ensemble is called an orchestra. Or, or the, we have bunches of different names for those kinds of things, but most of us just call that the orchestra, and those are orchestrations. Um, this morning, we did a little chant, and we put the ORF instruments with it, we put the tambourines and the jingle taps with it, and with that, we just had a speech ostinato that came out of the hymn. And we put that speech ostinato with song and with the orf instruments and it worked. So just took a phrase out of the hymn and that worked for an ostinato. Canons, descants, vocal cording with the hymn as a melody, but letting your children actually sing the one, three, five of the tonic chord or the other members of a subdominant or a dominant, that's gotta be your oldest kids, your youngest kids. You aren't quite ready to do that, but 
they can actually sing the underpinning of the melody from the chord. I always started out using the resonator bells and playing the chords first and then trying to learn how to sing those pitches and really went with that as a play. Um, singing skills, the phrasing that we learn in him singing with the longer phrases and how long that our breath needs to last. Vowel and consonant formation, diphthongs, which we work on tirelessly in Texas, do we not? Um, and you're listening to my speech, you listen to it all day, so you, you can tell I'm from Texas. I, I'm also a singer and a trained singer, and it's very interesting what we do in singing and that our speech patterns don't change much over our history. <laughs> I still sound like I came from Austin, Texas. And I still use a lot of diphthongs and triphthongs. And they're in the hymns, and so we want to work with those things with our kids. Tone quality and breath control. Uh, musical understanding within the hymns. All the elements that we've talked about earlier today, the musical elements, rhythm, melody, texture, timbre, dynamics, and form. Um, style and expressive, the expressive qualities with dynamics and other expressive markings, how things fit with an accompaniment, um, music reading skills. We talked a great deal about that in the last section in the 656, about how we can begin to really emphasize the idea of literacy at church as much as we do at school. We've talked all day long about the partnership between school, church, home, and private lessons in this whole business of music and we all work together for the good of the child. As much as we can coordinate our efforts between school and church and home and private, we're just doing a more effective and more efficient job of, of, of helping our children learn. So whatever we can do in that regard, and certainly towards musical literacy, we want to do that. Um, and then certainly any historical information about composers, authors, texts, or tunes, or what we mentioned about Dr. Spann's book, hymns that were favorites of all the presidents. And I, that book is intriguing. I read it when I first got it. I put it back up on the shelf. I wasn't even thinking about pulling it down and bringing it to show, to show you all, but I should have. Anything we can do in terms of historical perspective with the hymns and tune texts. Kinds of classroom activities that are appropriate when we develop hymn studies. Certainly memorization. I don't know about you, but I'm noticing that we do less and less memory work with our younger children all the time. I've always been a big believer in memory work. I think it's good for the brain. <laughs> I think it's great for the mind, but it's also great for the heart to put those things that we've memorized into here. You know, that scripture, those are hymn texts. And I mean, that, is our, that is our greatest defense against what we're gonna face as we grow up and we get older, are the things that we have put in here and put in here and I remember growing up memorizing scripture and hymns, hymns all the time. And then I realized that as I've gotten older, as I work with children, we're not doing as much memorization as we used to do. They love it. Make a game out of it. They love puzzles. They love games that do it. I remember the years that I was not teaching music in the public schools, I was teaching fifth grade language arts and social studies. When Mr. McCullough was choral director at Duncanville High School, there was not an elementary music job. Well, actually, I did do some middle school choral work for him a couple of years just because a teacher moved quickly, and he would say, would you please go over there because I know that the transition will work okay. The kids know you, and then they'll know what to do when they come into high school, and I did that. And then I hurried up and went back to element to fifth grade language arts and social studies as quickly. I'm not sure middle school was the, my best age to work with. I love them. Um, it, 
they always tell me I was really intense. You know, of course, they, they will say anything to you. are really serious and intense, and, and I am. And But they got me out of it. Um, but uh, anyway, a lot of that that I think that we've done uh, with different age groups and all of that as we're um, just doing different kinds of memorization things, I think, uh, makes a difference. When I was teaching fifth grade language arts and social studies, every Christmas we memorized Twice the Night Before Christmas. Every child in my classroom memorized that. Most of them had ever, never even attempted anything that nature. And we did it for our parents, too, for our class, too, for our language arts class that I had. And we brought the parents in. We had refreshments. And the parents could not believe that the children had memorized anything that lengthy. And we did it more like a choral reading. Not everyone <coughs> said every line. That was really ambitious for me to think that we could. But we started it in August when school started. And we practiced a fragment every day. And we just went through things. And by the time we got to the November and December, the kids had it. It was in their heads. And they could stand up and do that. And I used to think, that is crazy. Why am I attempting to do that? To do that? They loved it. They loved that little bit of memory work every day, just working on it and adding to it. And that sort of thing. So I can't emphasize memorization enough. I think it's important uh, for what we put into our head and into our heart. Um, other kinds of activities, classroom instrumental accompaniments that we can do with orchestra instruments, that we can do with resonator bells, that we can do with hand chimes. We can do so many things with the hymn studies in terms of accompaniments, not just keyboard, but many other things that we can use. Art activities, many of which we've used, coupling the artwork with the hymn studies. Um, Bible studies, the sources of hymn texts, dramatization and choral readings, movement. We all move in choir. I know we may not move in worship, although every once in a while we do a little bit of that. But for sure, with our younger kids, we do a lot of movement things, and some of the hymn texts really lend themselves to doing some of those kinds of things. Those of you that are very good at the sign language, incorporating that in with the hymn study is wonderful, and then being able to turn around and do that in church is games and puzzles, discussions, part singing activities, hymnal use in rehearsal and worship, um, using the hymnal to teach the liturgical year, the church year, wonderful. The, uh, some of the new organizations of a couple of the new hymnals actually take start with Advent. We, don't, we haven't done that with hymnals in a long time, starting with all the hymns of Advent and moving in the hymnal through the church year. It's a great way to organize a hymnal, and we don't always see that kind of organization, but a couple of the newer ones have, are, are done that way, which is really nice. Any other activities, ways you bring in things? I've, I've got websites at the very end, and you could tell us so many more. These are just ones I've used and friends have used. Places to get different um, materials for hymn studies and that sort of thing. You all, I know, know the name Pam Vanderwalker. She's an expert at hymn studies. Her website is visionpublications.net. It's at the very, it's on the, your very back page. Pam just has page after page after page of wonderful ideas for hymn studies. If you're not familiar with her name and her company, it's a great place to go. And Carrie Taylor and Dora Ann Purdy's company is morphing into something else, and some of you all were talking about that at lunch. Celebrating grace, thank you, because I knew Cindy was mentioning there. There's a hyphen in between there's celebrating and okay. grace. Okay, so say it one more time. Uh, so. Celebrating hyphen grace dot com. 
Celebrate hyphen, hyphen. Not, not underscore, but hyphen. Hyphen. Okay, celebrating hyphen grace, <coughs> and then it's dot com? Dot com. Okay. So the dot music resource it's had has changed to that, but Perry and Dora Ann's materials are on the celebrating hyphen grace website. Right. And okay. From what I think Carol was saying the volume four is going to be Christmas. Coming out of a new musical. Okay, and Charlotte was talking to you all about that. I need to go over and get those those materials. You all know about Lifeway and you use that. Uh, GIA Music does some pretty nice resources for hymn notes for bulletin inserts. Not the easiest website to navigate and find things on. It's GIA Publications is what it is, but the website's called GIA Music. But there are some materials there you might want to pull in, particularly for bulletin inserts. And Mr. McCullough and I just put the PuzzleMaker.com down here because we use it for many things. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with making your own puzzles of all different varieties for church, for school, for whatever, one of the best places in the world to go. And it doesn't take you any time and you've got original puzzles to make right there. And you can do that for hymn studies or for just about anything else you want to do. I do those for my college kids. And when I first did it, I thought, you're going to think I'm crazy. I've made these puzzles and I'm carrying them in as just review in music history terminology and things like that. They absolutely adored it. Thank you so much for the puzzles. Crossword, <laughs> you know, and I thought, these are 20 year old kids and they still love a puzzle. They love anything that's just something I can figure out. So I've used puzzlemaker.com a lot more this past year and making my own things. Um, I know that you all probably already have hymns of the month if you do memory work, if you incorporate the hymns and all that. Um, I, ju I just went ahead and planned some things here that I had done at seminary and talked about in a conference there. The younger the child, I many times, well, usually with the younger children, only stands the one of the hymn in terms of memory, and I didn't, I usually many times for first grade, just worked on them over two months rather than one month, okay, just because it was more accessible, made more sense to do that. I've tried to pull in some other hymns that are in the New Baptist Hymnal and then the New Celebrating Grace Hymnal, just to give you other page numbers where you can find things if you have some of the newer hymnals. Then second grade, uh, I did some combination months, but some months just separately for you there. And then third grade, some combinations, but mostly separate months. Loosely patterned on the church year, but not exactly. You know, some of it's seasonal, but some of it talks about missions, some of it talks about salvation, some other things that we emphasize in terms of doctrinal concepts and just spiritual uh, formations kinds of things that we want to do with our kids. I went ahead and just put the different hymnals. I used the old 1991 for page numbers, and then I used the new 2008, and then I used the new Celebrating Grace 2010. And just, this can just serve as a guide for you, but at least it's a place to start and change them up as you go along, and it just kind of gives you a, a broader place. Uh, a longer list for grades four, five, and six that I did on the next page, and then you can change them out, but just the different topics that you might cover in terms of themes, and then year one, year two, and year three, so you can cycle your kids through these, so you have a place to start, and you can change those um, at will, however you want to do that. Um, there's one beautiful, beautiful hymn that I was not familiar with that we're going to sing in just a minute just because I thought you might enjoy one more thing out of the new Celebrating Grace, and it's actually under the Grace 1, 2, and 3 choirs. It's called When You Come and Follow Me, so I'll give you that as you sing music in just a minute. Yeah. You're familiar with that hymn. Well, I don't know where I've been. 
<laughs> oh, I've bounced around various oh, nominations. Okay. Will you come and follow me? Well, actually, so have we, because he's an organist. And mm -hmm. So many times when he serves, it's not in the Baptist Church. Our membership's in the Baptist Church when we move to a new city, and they say, we need for you to come over interim, and interim seven years mm -hmm. or something. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been our experience. And that might be Methodist. It might be I think it might be Catholic that, that I was introduced really? to. It. I, one of the, in Catholic? Okay. We might have been to the GIA, one of their, their, their hymnals okay. or something like that. But. It's gorgeous, and I wasn't familiar with you at the time, but I thought we were seeing it just because I think it's so beautiful. I thought you might want to do that with your, with your kiddos. Um, anyway, uh, questions? Anything else that you have used in terms of hymns that work? Um, things that you've been challenged with as you incorporate hymn studies? Yes, Judith. Well, one of the things challenging is That's one of those good ideas. It's a beautiful idea. I'm going to try that. Yeah, that's good. Other ideas like that, things that you've done at church that have worked in terms of making sure that the hymns are real for our young people? I hope that they will stay real and have meaning for our young people because I think it's just so important that we. Yeah. And these are old, and many of you probably know about these. You know, you can buy the hymn stories all over the place or hymns clearing just full of stories all the time about different hymns. Some of them, this one happens to be plays. These are dramas that are written on sacred hymns, and I love that. That's not always easy to find. Um, I'm trying to remember. I probably bought this at a church music conference at some <laughs> point. Um, Cradle publications from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, but those are all dramatizations of sacred hymns. Kenneth W. Osbeck, and I did not write that one down. Um, Hymns too, and I've got the hymns one somewhere, and I'm not exactly sure where it is. But the hymns are in here and just have short little histories, or sometimes it's a poem. It's not necessarily a study, but sometimes it's a poem, it's a scripture that goes along with that hymn that's, in, that's right before each one of the hymns. So just anytime you can find a little helps like that, I think it's going to. And I, I think our newer versions of the hymnals are giving us a lot more helps even teaching helps than we've ever had before. I love the Celebrating Grace Hymnal. Mm -hmm. And the new 2008 is rich, rich with a lot of helps that will kind of guide what we do there. So, any other suggestions or things that you've done with this rich legacy that we have? Find the hymnals that serve. They're there somewhere if they're no longer being, they're probably still in the pews, but you just may not use them as much. So you might want to borrow them, take them to the choir room with the kids and use them. One of the things my, ch my, my children's choirs at seminary loved was the scavenger hunt. And the graduate students just would help me just learning your way through the hymnal and can you find this? And we would have little prizes if you could find certain amounts of things. You know, they would come up to us. And of course, the younger children struggled. So the graduate TA sat with them or the older children sat with the younger <laughs> children because we had talked about the way the hymn, was, the hymn was put together and all that. But when you have your younger ones that are learning to read, a table of contents.
contents may not mean a lot. A hymn, a first, or a first line, they would go, what? You know, well, you have those older children help those younger children kind of search their way. And we would do scavenger hearts with those. Of course, you've done the drills with Bible and with hymn below, the scavenger hearts to help them. Um, if you still have some boys, let's send them to their so would you come and follow me? You were humming it for us. Give me another. It's either Catholic or Disciples of Christ. Okay. Well, what, whatever they are, they're Lord Jesus. This is a beautiful hymn and a beautiful verse. Can you all read and play and hum it in the truth? And we'll let this score back there. Kind of like this big rock. And then when we're through, I will pick this one up from you and I will pick up. Paul and Kim uh, that we had at the beginning. Can you play it all the way through for us, honey, just so we can hear it? You can all hear Exactly what we do in life when we become Christians. This is, these are the words of what we do, and I just love them. And then I thought, and the melody comes too with God's word. So we'll sing this through, and this will be our last verse. again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.